0: One of those cowards fled to my superiors up north. They tried to convince me this plague could be dealt with medically. That's when I realized that they had learned nothing from our past. You killed them, too. What did I do, Preacher? You severed their heads, sir. Except for the one I spared so that he could return and deliver a message. If they wanted to relieve me of my command, they would have to meet me here and do it themselves. How many men will be coming? Probably all of them, but don't get any ideas. The only thing they fear more than me is you apes. This is human history has led to this moment if we lose we'll be the last of our kind it will be a planet of apes and we will become your cattle look at you you think i'm sick don't you I didn't mean to kill your son, but if his destiny was to inherit your unholy kingdom,
1: a podcast exploring faith and fear. What scares us and what saves us? This is the fear of God. Hello and welcome back to your favorite podcast. At the intersection of faith and fear, where every week, and especially in the year 2021, we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the penultimate 2021 episode of the Fear of God podcast. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey, and he was here Guys, but, uh, you know, he was was acting real put upon, as Lackey occasionally can, saying someone had called him Bad Ape. I don't know. I don't know. Seems kind of strong. If you ask me, when he gets back, we'll speak some affirming words to him or... Something like that. In the meantime, allow me to welcome you listeners back into What Saves Us, our second half of the year series where we have been featuring films and media that nurture your wonder, that invigorate your awe, that enrich your humanity, not to overstate things, but that are saving you now. Last week, we jumped off the top rope with help from sports ball consultant Josh Rouse as we discussed. Ted Lasso season two and today (laughs) we are aping around with Matt Reeves action epic war for the planet of the apes. That I am getting ahead of myself because I'm so excited about this movie here at the fear of God. We explore. We don't explain except for right now when I explain that you can find every fog and fear of God thing imaginable at the fear of Things like essays, team bios, episode archives, merch, read. <laughs> <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: No. <laughs> that's not going to be the whole episode. I promise listeners. Or will it? <laughs> Which d- remains to be seen. Hey man. Hey buddy. How you doing? I'm all right. Hey. I am Hey. Guess what? You- what? Merry Christmas. <laughs> this is our Merry Christmas. This is our Christmas episode. And nothing That's, that's crazy. Nothing <laughs> says Christmas <laughs> like war and planets and apes. Nothing. Mm. Merry Christmas. I mean there's snow there's snow Merry in this Christmas. one. So there's snow in this one. You know. It is a wintry
1: and landscape. An, yes, and an avalanche that, that yes. drowns humanity. Yes. At least what remained uh, of it.
2: So yes, uh Merry Christmas from the from the planet of the apes.
1: Yeah. So what do you think? I mean, do the apes celebrate Christmas? Yeah. You know, I mean like, sure. In that in that wasteland, they discover it's not a wasteland; it's a it's their new home. Their new home. But they yes, just they of course. they they settle on. You know, are they doing trees? Do you think apes like they Ape? live in the trees? Cannonballs. Hmm. Yeah.
2: Hmm.
1: You know, that's a good. Like what? Uh, hmm. What does a simian Christmas look like?
2: Oh, that's a that's a worthwhile imaginative that's your first question. <laughs> yeah, of the that's, a, that's an it's an imaginative <laughs> exercise. What's a simian? I almost Christmas picture. Look
1: like? What's so funny is I almost picture like rise dawn war have such a specific tone to them especially dawn and war but you think about like the star wars christmas special like had they tried <laughs> to do some kind of like marketing tie in thing it's like caesar and maurice exchanging gifts you know and and whatever i don't know where you'd go with that Yeah, but
2: good question somebody somebody work on that uh, one to the typewriter good question to the typewriter oh man oh so before we um dig too much. I will ask you uh, in a second if we have any business, but before, and maybe this you know, kind of be could be considered business time. So, we neglected to mention a shout-out last week, an important shout-out. And I feel Ooh. really, really bad about it. But, mm-hmm. um, we spent, you know, a couple of months. This is business. It is business. Yeah. We spent a couple of months talking about Ted Lasso, season one and season two. And we had mentioned it for season one, only in passing, but neglected to do so again for season two, just want to say a proper thank you to our mutual friend, Jeff Hansen, for submitting Ted Lasso. The Ted Lasso was not merely an excursion that you and I just decided to go on for ourselves. Uh, it was an actual What Saves Us submission by Jeff Hansen. Jeff, I hope you enjoyed the discussions and the conversations. Uh Love you, buddy. Uh, Merry Christmas. and uh, Richmond till we die. That's right. And so just really wanted to... Correct, course correct on that that we neglected to mention that while we were having the conversation with, with Josh uh, but uh, yeah so Jeff it was not uh, out of any malice uh, or, or malintent but uh, you know like
1: that, those are strong words yeah. I really. No, I, Jeff's listen. a good man I don't think he was assigning any such thing to us <laughs> so but, that's a good point. but <laughs> had you been Jeff let's just talk
2: because I, I want to <laughs> clear the air give, give me a call um,
1: please. yeah yeah I do have a little business time that I'm going to spring on you here mm. Riri um, is it springtime business I want, time? no <laughs> um I don't, I don't even know what that is um i want to encourage listeners to do a little homework oh homework the next homework. couple of weeks School's so uh or out. at least to explore some homework okay um as mentioned, this is our penultimate What Saves Us episode. More or less the entirety of 2021, we have been uh, uh, traipsing through What Scares and then subsequently What Saves Us as tentpole ideas uh, with media, namely film, TV. Mm. Uh, I don't think we did any other. Did we do anything besides? We didn't do any books, right? No. Um, no book uh, uh As our centerpiece. And... I had the unique pleasure uh, with Reed's encouragement and affirmation um, to invite to the show. Uh, the interview has already been recorded. I am quite looking forward to listening back to it. Um, author, professor, pastor, ethicist. Uh, I've referenced him on the show before. A gentleman by the name of David Gushy. He is a professor at Mercer University in Atlanta. And he wrote he wrote several books. Uh, the most recent of which, as of this recording, though a new one is eminent, is called After Evangelicalism. Um, I did finish it. This is not a what moment, but I did read it myself in prep for the conversation. Um, and it's it's very. It's very powerful and and intriguing. Uh, if you like the flavor Reed and I tend to bring to our religious conversation, I think you'll really find it worthwhile uh, but that book gets referenced uh, two other books of his called Changing Our Mind and still Christian get referenced as well but you you needn't have read any of those to be able to appreciate the conversation but it is going to be serving as something of an epilogue uh, sort of a real world, what scares, what saves us conversation with David Gushy. And that will be releasing the first Tuesday in January. So I'm very excited for that and just wanted to prep folks. Hopefully that's okay, Reed. I did oh. not prep you that I would be throwing that out there. No,
2: um, it's it, it's absolutely okay. Do you mind if I uh, prelude the other one to just add on to people's sure. homework? Yep. So um, the, the as Nathan mentioned, the, the interview with David Gushy is already recorded and in the can. I'm going to also sort of give you a heads up to one that is not recorded yet, so we're going to just um, uh, wish upon the stars that, <laughs> that, that everything will work out. We do have a date planned and scheduling, you know, we'll need to line for it. But um, there's also uh, an author by the name of Natasha Dion, and she is uh, a best-selling author. She has two books. Uh, her first book is called Grace, simply called Grace. Uh, this is a fiction book. Um, And the second book, uh, newly released as of November, is called The Perishing. And uh, Natasha is a personal friend of mine, uh, and she is uh, just a a superhuman in normal world form. So uh, I'm I'm very excited uh, that she was willing to come on the show. Uh, And so, again, that, as of this recording... That interview has not yet taken place, but in addition to your David Gushy homework, I would encourage you to check out the novel, The Perishing, because we will be, if all goes according to plan, talking with Natasha as well. So in January, uh, we'll have a couple of like little bonus uh, uh, fun surprise interview episodes to drop for you. So uh, that's fun that's very exciting
1: yeah, that is fun that's yeah. exciting uh, we, we need to give ourselves an actual break but you know what <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> Just, what <laughs> no rest for the weird breaks are for um, suckers
2: so uh <laughs> <laughs> We're pro- or we're smart people. <laughs> we're professionals here.
1: Okay, we work ourselves to death. Absolutely, right. absolutely. So that's
2: that's the business I got. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's really all. I do want to point out. Uh, this is probably more for the YouTube uh, viewers, but instead of the traditional Fear of God shirt, I decided to go Christmassy, um, but Christmassy with a Fear of God flavor. So I have um this wonderful shirt where uh, YouTube listeners or YouTube watchers will be able to see. Um, it is a picture of a lovely Christmas tree which is appropriate but uh, Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees are <laughs> exchanging uh, presents with one another so uh, that's sweet yes it is, it is.
1: glad they could bury the hatchet in your skull <laughs> <laughs> oh, ten and they're no. going eggnog you out <laughs> wow let's keep going
2: grandma got run over by a reindeer but I got run over by Freddy and Jason oh no Uh, Can't
1: remember about right now. Now she's a bloody mess on the
2: ground. Uh, Oh, holy
3: (laughs) 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 shit. <laughs>
1: oh, wow! Oh, wow. Speaking of surprises, what's really funny—I don't know if I—I I think I told this story on air about my nephew, who occasionally listens to us and says I'm the one who cusses—and so there, there you are. <laughs> so I'm—I'm I'm glad
2: it's an equal opportunity it profanity. It is. You know, I—I I, try to um, space out my my profanities, well, <laughs> well timed, if you will. Sure. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Make them make them count. Hey, w- them count. Um, while we're on the subject of Christmas, I know you were probably mm-hmm. before we dive into. Uh, Simeon Christmas or Simeon flu or Simeon planet, whatever no, it is. No, no, no. Um. So I know you might have been. Prim- I, I did not prep you for this, but you you might have been primed for like. Oh, maybe we'll go into a watcha. Maybe we'll do a uh-huh. whatever. Um. But but I'm gonna ask you like, let's table that for next week. And oh, uh, and, okay. and 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 uh, let's do a little something. look. look it's Christmas. Okay, I've got it my. Is. I've got a mug right here that my my wife uh, bought me. Uh, I, I got a new mug from you that I did not bring on to the show. You did, um, but uh, this is uh, che- <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, <Why> Norm. Not? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I should have just done that. Um, but uh, this mug is Cheers, Norm, and in it I have a wonderful hot chocolate that may or may not be spiked so we'll just uh, leave it mm, up to your imagination delightful. it is we've got true. three episodes to record Reid, <laughs> go easy <laughs> yeah i know um but no uh we did this i think either last year or two years ago i think it was last year and i had such a wonderful time with it uh, I thought we should do uh, Christmas movie trivia again. Okay. Yes. All right. Cool. Uh, had, I'm down. Yeah. We had such a wonderful time with this last much year, much like
1: last week's, you know, foray into professional wrestling. I really had no idea this was going to happen. No. So I love no. spontaneity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly.
2: So, uh, and
1: what's great is just how nimble my brain is these days so i know i'm gonna ace oh, whatever i'm you're sure you at will <laughs> i'm sure you will you're sharp as a tack
2: these days um so so i'm just gonna pull a card at random and uh and we'll see okay. how you do are you ready for this you ready uh, i am i was, I was born ready for this. <laughs> John, yes i was born this way okay here we go Okay. I I will do my best. I do my best to remember questions we asked last time and not repeat them. But okay. Well, the good news is
1: I won't remember the again. That's a good
2: good good point. (laughs) That's a good point. Okay. So uh, play along at home, uh, listeners. We'll do three to five of these, however much we're feeling. Okay. So uh, who played Scrooge in the Muppet Christmas Carol? There are multiple choice if you need it. uh, No, no, Michael Caine. It is Michael Caine. It is, it is Michael
1: Caine. It is Michael Caine. Bruv, I do enjoy oh, that
2: film. That film is so delightful. I love Come it. Come in and know me better, man. When a cold wind blows, it chills you, chills you to the bone. But there's nothing in nature that freezes your heart like years okay. of being <laughs> alone. <laughs> oh
1: my God. Professionals oh my God. here. It paints you
2: with it. I'm sorry. I won't keep going. <laughs>
1: okay, <laughs> yeah, I could yeah, do the yeah. whole song. That's
2: one of my favorites. Or songs. just one question. <laughs> okay, here we go. Ooh. Okay. Uh, ready. Okay. This is a bit. This is a bit more difficult. It's, and and, okay. and it's not movie related. It's it's somewhat oh, TV slash okay. real world related. So I'm going to give you a debit. Send on me this in one Christmas. No. Um. What were Frank Borman, James Lovell, and William Anders doing when they appeared on TV on Christmas Eve, 1968? There is multiple choice, and I'll give you a small hint that's not in the multiple choice. If you get this at all, it'll be because you remember the names. But uh Frank Borman, James Lovell and William Anders, were they on a TV special? Were they in a pantomime or were they orbiting the moon? See, orbiting the moon. They were orbiting the moon. That's right. If you watched Apollo 13, then uh then there's that. Lovell's the only name I remember yeah, there. Yeah, Jim Lovell. Yeah, played by Tom Hanks in the movie. So, hey, you're two for two. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I Okay.
1: I thought you said John Lovitz. <laughs> the-
2: Boy. I thought he was orbiting the moon.
3: John Lovitz is <laughs> you
2: orbiting. Remember the moon. That? <laughs> I was orbiting the moon. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> okay. Yeah, two for two. You are two for two. I I believe in you. This is a Christmas miracle. This is gonna be really great. I'm pulling these <laughs> cards at random, by the way. I did not pre-select There's no these. No, Stump Nathan song, no, no, no. Jackson. <laughs> um but I did not pre select these. Okay. All right. Which famous comedian? Oh, this is this is really easy. Which famous comedian played the Grinch oh in how the Grinch stole Christmas? I'm not even gonna give you multiple choice. That's right, because it's Jim Carrey. All right, we're gonna do these a little faster. So, do we go until you stump me? No, no. We're just gonna do these a little faster. We'll do three to five. That was three. We'll do, we'll do a couple more. We'll right? See. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: I'd say we go to go till I'm
2: stumped. Go till you're stumped. Okay. Well, mm, oh, hmm, hmm. Mm. Mm. Is this the one? <laughs> Maybe, but I'm I'm not even gonna read that because I don't even never even heard of that oh. thing. Um, okay, here we go. Stumped Reed. In, two, in, two, oh, in the 2004 Disney film, The Polar Express, who provided the voice over the young boy who embarked on the magical adventure to Santum's workshop? Was it Peter Scolari? Santum's? <laughs> yeah. Santum? Did I say Santom's? Santa's workshop. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Was it yeah. Peter Scolari, <laughs> Steve Martin, or Tom Hanks, who provided the voice of the boy? The, the little boy. Yes.
1: Well, now I've... Now I'm now I'm confused. Yeah, it said um, uh,
2: who provided the voice over for the young boy who embarked on the magical adventure to Santa's workshop was it Peter Scolari, Steve well, Martin know, or Tom Hanks? Uh, process of elimination
1: is I know Steve Martin isn't in it. I know Tom Hanks is in it. Scolari is a mystery to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to go with Tom Hanks. Yes, that is right. I did
2: not remember okay, that he provided okay. the voice of the boy.
1: But Yeah, that movie's obviously. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well it really is speaking I, of i had so dislike that movie well
2: following but
1: yeah. i'll give i'll give it innovation points for you know throwing aerosmith on the north but what a stupid <laughs> that's absurd <laughs> get out of here with who that played crap. the grinch
2: in the fog christmas episode I love <laughs> what wow <laughs> um okay so following right along i drew a random card and it's also about polar express okay. what was the first gift of christmas according to the polar express was it a a ribbon from Santa, a bell from Santa, or a toy from Santa. The first, the first gift. Yeah, what's does that the mean first gift in of the Christmas? story? There are multiple gifts. No, it just says, "What's the first gift of okay, Christmas?" is it a ribbon, okay, a, bell, a bell, or a toy? It's a bell. It's a bell. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> We we might we might end on this one. We'll see. This one. No, I mean, hey, are we, I'm going we strong. Go, you're going strong. Okay, here we go. I'm putting other, putting points up on the board. This is one you may know, may not know. Um, so directed by Tim Burton, the movie The Nightmare Before Christmas, was adapted right. from what? Was it adapted from a poem, a play, or a game? A poem. Yes. Nicely done. Ooh. All right. We're going to go faster. Which famous story written by Dr. Seuss was adapted into a popular Christmas movie? Come on. You want the multiple choice? I'll give you the multiple Christmas mu- movie.
1: Yeah, do the multiple choice.
2: Is it It's a Wonderful Life, The Snowman, or How the Grinch Stole Christmas? Written by Dr. Well, Seuss. that's
1: funny, because, yeah, yeah, that's funny. I don't, for some reason, it's bl- I'm blanking that Seuss did Grinch, but it's Grinch.
2: Yes, it is Grinch. Right. In which film okay. does an angel prevent Jimmy Stewart's character from committing suicide on Christmas Eve? Merry Christmas, Reed! <laughs> uh, it's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life, that's right. Okay, it's Christmas, nineteen nineteen, and Bates has been arrested. What TV show are we in? Uh, uh Downton Abbey. Yeah, good job. Okay, who, oh! <laughs> who starred in 1954's White Christmas? Oh, I'm stumped.
1: <laughs> there it is. There it is.
2: <laughs> we did a bunch. Uh, yeah, got, I was gonna. I was gonna. Uh, Who's okay. your boy? But I, I have to read the uh, the multiple choice for this because it said, who starred in White Christmas 1954? And your choices were Fred Astaire, Bing Crosby, or Bill Cosby. I'm like, come on. Bing Crosby. Like, yes, of course. Bill Cosby
1: was, was uh, yeah. busy. <laughs> <laughs> he, <laughs> you know what I mean? Whoa. That's whoa.
2: Inappropriate. Um, whoa. All right. And, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, yes. Yes yes um, that took a turn all right so <laughs> <laughs> the way to way to screech to halt our christmas trivia or hey you christmas know what tribute.
1: you gave me the multiple choice and i got it right
2: so i'm that's not i'm still point. not yeah
1: oh you uh, want to keep going oh well, yeah we can't end on bill Cosby. that's a terrible no, ending. that's terrible no. okay all right yeah. here we go <laughs> throw him back in
2: <laughs> we're throwing him back okay <laughs> here we go um Ooh. Oh, which ooh. villain spoils Christmas in Gotham City in the 1992 movie Batman Returns? Yeah, it's the penguin. That's it's right. The penguin
1: with Gotham magic. That's penguin right. magic.
2: Okay. Um, okay. All right. Okay. Okay. I'm on a roll,
1: bro. You are forget, on. S- forget with- War for the Planet of the Apes, Jacob saying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we are.
2: <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> all right. I'm not going to ask another down, uh, Downton Abbey question. Okay. Okay. Um, all right, which Christmas song is the best-selling single of all time? Is it now best? Not just Christmas singles. Right, all song? I want for Christmas is you. Oh no, he didn't. Jeff, okay. roasting on open fire. Is it? I wish it could be Christmas every day. White no. Christmas or Fairy Tale of New York? What's the best-selling B. single of all time? Yes, it is White Christmas. Very, very, very uh, good job. I'm dreaming. This is a racist oh. song. And whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Um, In Lethal Weapon Where does the undercover Cocaine deal take place Does it take place at a Christmas tree shop At a Christmas toy shop Or at a Christmas candy shop Hey Christmas tree shop good job That was a guess guess. Good job (laughs) job. Okay here we go Okay, Who bet his Christmas bonus On Santa's little helper Homer Simpson
3: Yeah good
1: job Don't that's right Stop me all did, right. I've I got them all, already.
2: You've all gotten them. them all. You're, you're on such a roll. Okay. In Love Actually, which oh, band... there it is. <laughs> <laughs> which, which band are Billy Mac's main competition for Christmas number one? Is it pink, blue, or One Direction? What's funny
1: is I don't even understand the
2: question you just asked. Say that again. <laughs> okay. In Love Actually... Right. Got that part. Which band are Billy Mac's main competition... For Christmas number one. Christmas number one is in comp- is in capital letters. I'm assuming it's an award. I have not seen love actually in years. But uh which band <laughs> which band is Billy Mac's main competition is the sort of the substance of the question. Is okay. it pink, blue, or one direction? Um,
3: um, um,
1: um Okay, well, there's two color options. Yes. Which would lead me to think that's one of the choices. Cause if it's not, if it's not a color option, mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. this is me going lackey here oh Uh, yeah yeah you 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 fog wieners let's see if you've got Um, the lucky magic here (laughs) that's we gotta brand that somehow fog wieners um uh so you wouldn't it it can't not be a color because you can't auto right discard two answers there right right, right, right. or blue really uh, you know clearly it's a girl or boy is the connotation there um i'm gonna go pink the answer is blue Damn it. <laughs> See, just, just, <laughs> there it is. Uh, the minute you said love, actually, I was like, ah, it's over. It's yeah. Over.
2: Yeah. That's nope, pretty
1: much it. Time to move on, Reed. Time to move aside. on. Uh, you know what? Year. That was, that was Next fun. Year. Next year. Yeah. How, how many is that? Did you count? Did you keep count? Uh, 10, uh well 12 no no way more than that
2: i think we rattled through probably oh, 20 yeah. 20 of those so uh
1: that seems like a lot beckley will
2: <laughs> beckley will check us on that. <laughs> he's gonna come back it was, it was 32 questions this went on for yeah, an hour like, uh, it was actually just seven nathan you way overshot <laughs> so right. um merry christmas everybody that was your christmas uh frivolity fun. and fun so yes
1: indeed indeed okay indeed. well so no watch it watch just uh some trivial bits uh, yeah. Christmas Christmas trivia. Riri, read. Yes. Reed, yes. Read. Yes. Read. Yes. What? Okay. <laughs> go- I'm excited I've to got be talking to tell about tell it. You, I've got to tell you that when Ted Lasso episode premiered today is a Thursday on two days ago. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: My wife has been married into my family, right? For it'll be 18 years in January. Mm, and so yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's no shock to her that her juvenile husband when paired with his sometimes even more juvenile brother wow can go quite juvenile as evidenced (laughs) by the end of the ted lasso episode when you're trying to announce announce what's coming i played that for every member of my family i was like you gotta hear this (laughs) of course you did of course you
3: did (laughs) we
1: had a grand old time so um uh, why, why don't you before we get too uh, uh, far up the tree here, who, who who introduced this and so and why?
2: A lot of shout out here to uh, regular Facebook Fog contributor Jacob Sane, who had submitted two things to us this year. Actually, he also submitted. A what saves us for the Princess Bride. Um, but because for the first time in Fog History, two people submitted the Princess Bride. Jacob graciously stepped aside and allowed um, us to and hear John's thoughts on that. To be
1: fair, Jacob, thank you for both. But I'm kind of appreciative of your sidestep here.
2: Oh, because man. Because we got the opportunity to talk about War for the Planet of the Apes. And oh, my goodness. Okay. Oh, let, him, let him talk. Let him speak okay. all right, All right. So here is what Jacob had to say about war for the planet of the apes
4: reed and nathan hello again war for the planet of the apes while i considered dawn of the planet of the apes in which coba and caesar represent an excellent fear versus face struggle i decided war was a better fit for what saves us being the culmination of the trilogy we're able to start off in a pretty bleak place for caesar and work our way out of the mire This movie tackles grief, vengeance, humanity, and survival versus salvation. At one point, Caesar asks a traitor ape, is it worth saving yourself if you've thrown away the part of yourself that made you who you were? The colonel highlights this idea by stating, there are times when you must abandon your humanity in the fight to save humanity. Then there's Caesar playing the role of Moses, leading his people to a promised land who ultimately confronts his own demons by showing the apes there is a better way. He leads by example, choosing true salvation instead of mere survival. He is willing to sacrifice himself for the sake of others, not the other way around. I highly recommend treating yourself to the whole trilogy, but War is an excellent film that was one of the first to come to mind when asked, what saves us? Thanks for covering this, guys. Happy holidays. Jacob.
2: Mm. Thank you so, mm. so, so much. Some great thoughts there. Mm. This is... Mm. So, Jacob recommended that we treat ourselves to the whole trilogy. And as, as I tried to preview last week over the top of, you know, Simeon sound soundbites, um, we, we did. Uh, th- this conversation is about War for the Planet of the Apes. So, in detail and depth, that's the film we're talking about. But you and I did uh, each watch this entire trilogy, Rise of the Planet of the Apes and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a bit, uh, but I w- would like to yield the floor to you to just share your history with these films, your, you know, when did you see them? Did you see them in the theater? Uh, what's, what's your overlay with the... And, uh, you know,
3: uh,
2: yeah, I will lead in with just the question of were you familiar at all with any of the previous installments of Planet of the Apes, or was this basically your 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 sort of insulated experience um that is quite a question read oh is it,
1: ooh, ooh. it really feels uh, yes or no but well <laughs> is it though? um uh you know what my i i have never beginning to end watched any of the original films okay. unless mm-hmm. did we come did we did we just watch scenes? Did we watch one of them for a Keith class? I don't think we did. But I can't uh,
2: remember. Keith may have just shown us scenes, but I don't think we watched.
3: Yeah. For I mean,
1: I know the, the infamous Statue of Liberty scene, the infamous Damn Dirty Apes scene. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, the only thing I've seen beginning to end of the Apes franchise before this is the Burton one, which is just really bad. Um, at it's least unfortunate. to my memory, it is. Um, Likewise. And I did see each of these in the theater as they released. Um this particular trilogy it, it, it we got to limit ourselves man but mm, this is one of few and I'd have to do work to fi- to figure out a, a comparison this is one of very 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 few franchises or trilogies that not only gets better with each entry but that leaps in quality with each entry Uh, Hmm. rise, I think is fine. Uh, It is neither great nor is it bad. It is kind of a, just a good, you know, sci-fi thriller sort Hmm. of it's, Hmm. it's, it's got, you know, a, a Franco playing a scientist kind of vibe, you know, that, that, science goes sideways sort of scenario that's that's pretty familiar at this point and and it's funny because i didn't do the, the the research to know uh because of course reeves did not direct rise he did dawn and war but right that's correct to know if the intention was okay we're trying to launch a franchise how did this do what does that mean for subsequent? right, uh, right that right, kind right. of that kind of sort of information that that i'm really not privy to or or did the the look up for but but I think Rise is fine. Uh, it is more throat clearing for what's going to come. Yeah. And yeah. I think Dawn is really good. And and at, at parts, great. Uh, I think War is exceptional. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a moment mm-hmm. watching this time. I was like, ah, is this in my top ten? I don't know. I never well, really make a top mm-hmm. ten. But might this be there? It's 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 almost unfortunate that it's the third of a trilogy, because what that automatically means is you're going to get some attrition from people getting into it. You know, what I mean, yeah, like, oh, mm-hmm. well, we yeah. watch rise. Oh, it was OK, but I didn't really I didn't enjoy it enough to go forward. That kind of thing. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And this time around. Had the fun experience of inviting my my, my two older kids into the trilogy and and was honestly a little anxious about that because I couldn't remember well enough just how dark it gets
2: oh sure um, I understand yeah and
1: so so wasn't sure if I was setting myself up for parental failure there mm. uh, but but they loved him and and that's awesome you know got it's so fun to experience thriller storytelling with them yeah if that makes yeah. sense yeah like absolutely. nothing yeah. things that aren't so over the top that you probably shouldn't show it to them, but things that it's that it's that roller coaster kind of energy. Like mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. fun to experience the highs and the, right, the thrills and right. the scares kind of thing. Cause they really got into it. I, I will tell this final story here and then I'll, I'll pivot over to you, but sure. Um, <laughs> my sweet wife, my sweet wife lives with three human children, <laughs> uh, uh, a, a puppy that's a year old an adult man, child in me and a, this is not a derisive adjective, but a needy mother, her, her mother who lives with us as well. And so, and she works full time in a job. So on top of that, she's the type of person that really does not like her personal space invaded. (laughs) So, you know, it's like, you gotta, I don't say a whole lot at the dinner table. Cause I just know like, it doesn't matter. She's, she's <laughs> the apes are, 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 are taking over the zoo right now. Wow. Bless her wow. heart. She's, I just need to shut up and not say anything. But we watched rise and dawn back to back one night. Cause time was sort of limited. And I was like, I gotta get through these if I'm going to make all this work. And, and so we, we watched rise beginning to end. We fell asleep about Two hours into the two twenty of of dawn, and finish it the next night. But the next night, when we're gonna watch the end of Dawn and All of War, it's like the youngest kid is in bed. My wife is in the bedroom, in the laundry room, doing some laundry, and I just, I, I did it. I said, <laughs> "I," our, our big kids. I was like, "Hey, come on!" Oh my! god. it was like, it was like this beautiful, unspoken cue amongst us. And we just went into ape ape mode (laughs) and crowded around her in the laundry room going full ape. And she it was it was was one of those moments. Like it's fortunate she didn't have a weapon on her. Uh because (laughs) because we might not have survived the moment, but it was so funny to not her. uh,
3: Oh my (laughs) god.
1: To everyone but her. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's hysterical. Anyway, so yes, that
2: was the experience this time around of watching watching these movies. Yeah. Um, I think i I differ only slightly and you know moderately from your take on the trilogy in that I think I like Rise a little bit more than you express. Um, I agree with you that it aims somewhat low, but it had something of a daunting challenge ahead of it in that it was you know ostensibly a part six, I think, in a franchise um that they were trying to breathe new life into and i think the fact that it does so uh, so effectively is you know it, it is worth applauding though i could not agree more it doesn't you know like aim very high for what it's after but i but i i would i would go from fine to very good on that one and while i do not disagree that war for the planet of the apes is operating on just an entirely new level i think just based on your very brief sort of assessment of dawn that i have a higher esteem for dawn than you do because i consider dawn to be like just under war like they're after different things but i think i think dawn is really spectacular in what it's aiming to be fair
1: i didn't know my assessment would be critiqued i don't i I think (laughs) we're on the same page uh i think I, uh, maybe quibble a little bit on rise. I think, yes, rise. That's a good way of putting it. It doesn't aim as high as the other two do, but hits what it aims for. I mean, I think Dawn's fantastic. I mm-hmm. just think mm-hmm. war is so damn good. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's, it's almost hard to, to kind of weigh those against it. But no, I think, I think yeah. Dawn is great.
2: I think, yeah. And I think that part of my, um, difficulties in even ranking the pair of, of, of Dawn and War is, in some ways, I almost consider them like a very, very long singular film. Sure, like, sure. Like, so many of the things, like, I don't think War means the same if you haven't seen Dawn. If you saw War in a bubble, all the Koba yeah. stuff, you know, like, yeah, but I mean, I also think Dawn and War can stand apart from Rise. In other words, Rise is entertaining. Right. But I think Dawn and War still hit the marks they hit if you've never seen Rise, I don't sure. think War hits the market hits quite. If you haven't seen Dawn, which is why it's difficult for me to segment them out. Though, though, again, I, I wasn't so much critiquing your take as saying, like, I consider Dawn and War to be both operating on like a next level of storytelling, yeah. thematic complexity, yeah. uh, character stuff. I feel like they had the opportunity to just be a popcorn thriller in yes. this in this franchise yes. and chose to do something poetic, epic, um beautiful, haunting.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean we talk a lot on that. we use we use language a lot on the show about what a thing aims for and how well it does or doesn't get that. Yes. They yeah. aim for <laughs> the the stars. They absolutely and do. they yeah. hit it. Yes. I mean it's insane. No, yes. Um you know whereas Rise it, it like aims Kinda mean, at eye level, out and out, out there a yeah. little bit, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, over there. Okay. Yeah. Okay, no. we got it. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. It's
2: like you know, and to, and to that degree, uh, you know, like I said, I would call Rise very good, but even like if you're comparing it to Dawn and War, then yeah, you're you, there's a significant uptick once you get to Dawn and War. It, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if some people said Dawn was their favorite entry in the franchise. Like Dawn is amazing the stuff with and, and, and I will say this about Dawn because we're kind of assessing the whole trilogy right now that we're going to dig real deep on war but like one of the things that I just found so compelling this time around about Dawn is the whole notion that you have in both the humans and the apes you have some who are trying desperately to keep a very fragile peace and you have others who because of their proclivities are just hell bent on war in both mm-hmm. camps and I sure. found that really profound as an observation that that you got your Caesars and the 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 other gentleman I can't uh, sorry I can't even remember his his character's name but um, Jason Clark who yeah Jason Clark's uh, okay. character's name but you're trying to they are trying desperately to build a piece and keep a piece. Meanwhile, you have Koba. And you have uh, the other guy in in the human camp who smuggles a gun in when they were specifically asked never, you know, not to bring guns into the camp. And so it's like those because of their biases and because of their experiences and their fears. Oh my God, their fears! Um, a couple of moments from dawn that I found incredibly powerful because then I know we're going to be spending the rest of the time on war is when Caesar says, "Let them do their human work." And then Koba begins pointing to his scars and says, human work, Mm, mm -hmm. human work. God, that is a powerful, powerful moment. Um, It's scary as crap when Koba pretends to be a really dumb ape. Oh my gosh, it is. (laughs) And and then just takes them out. It's it's really crazy. So like, yeah, again, I really want to emphasize that I wasn't critiquing your take. Just maybe in an effort to elevate The the conversation around Dawn, which I do think is just an absolutely exceptional film. I think Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is is an amazing, amazing movie. And then it sets us up because of the bombast of the end. I mean, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes basically ends with a a gigantic battle. A huge blow-everything-up, shoot-everything-up kind of battle with some incredible effects and set pieces. So then you get a film called War for the Planet of the Apes. And I was ready. When I came into the film, I was like, oh, okay. I think this is probably going to be great. It's probably just going to be a big, long, like, you know, uh, battle epic. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm expecting something sure. like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Lord of the Rings battle epic. And I wasn't disappointed in what I got. But instead, I got this heartrending, mm-hmm. like, unbelievably profound examination and this is what I said afterwards. There's a line in, in the film that's said by Woody Harrelson's character, the Colonel, where he says, this is a holy war. And I remember, even the first time I watched it, zoning in on that and saying, yeah, the war for the planet of the apes is a spiritual one. It is a war for the soul. It is not a war for domination of the planet. It is a war for, for the yes. spirit. And, and I was so moved by that. Shaken. Uh, Inspired, I I found it incredible what they do in War for the Planet of the Apes, and this is a film. Like I said, like top ten would be tough because there's some great films in my top ten. But good lord, my affection for War for the Planet of the Apes as a film, watching it, like I even texted you. I said, "Why in the world am I ugly crying over these damn dirty apes?" Like that they they that was very rude. rude. You know what? (laughs) It's a (laughs) specific call out. You know? know, but I just like. It moves me tremendously. This film, um, yeah, I, let's, I found let's, it incredible. Let's do film. this
1: real quick because because what I don't want is this to be either of our that so rights because it it would be one a little bit of a cheat and two, uh, I think it deserves its own moment.
2: But let's talk about Caesar. Yeah. Oh sure. my God. Sure. The character. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Circus's performance. Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I I like. <laughs> I actually wrote down the question and it says Caesar, the ape exceptional cinematic creation or finest cinematic creation of all time. (laughs) (laughs) I mean what they pull off and it's so, I I really, 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 really hope the day comes and sooner than later when the Academy, whatever highest, most cinema uh, awards body gives him lifetime achievement, whatever. I mean, the man has created a whole genre of performance, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's wild to think that as much as I know you do and I as well love the Jackson Lord of the Rings and the Gollum Smeagol expression, who knew that was just going to be the tip of the iceberg right. for what he's capable of. Good lord. And so just, I don't know, Just just wanted to at least chat a little bit about the experience of that character and, and, and what I meant is earlier when I said, I, I'm, I'm just curious what the trajectory was intended to be, you know, was it like, okay, we're going to make this rise of the planet of the apes and right, right. Definitively had two other sort of concepts in play or anyway, I, I don't know those answers, but um, to watch the arc of that character develop and the, the performance be what it is. I mean, in the third one, the the visual effects are unbelievable. I mean it's it is, crazy. It's unbelievable what they yeah. pull off visually. And I I actually think um I think there was a moment where one of my kids was commenting on the the level of I'm using this word, the level of empathy they were experiencing for non human characters. Like yeah. just the surprise they were feeling at that experience. Oh um, gosh. But anyway, yeah, I don't, know if you have any sort of. I didn't prep you for that, but just wanted to kind no, of okay. engage as a character. You know, some, some, some chatter
2: about him. Yeah. Well, I feel like, I mean, you, you said, you said a lot of it, if not all of it, that just like the empathy he's able to generate with a computer-generated character. What you always miss is you miss like, like uh, what they call the uncanny valley, where something in your brain is registering this. There's something false about this. What Andy Circus and and casting him in roles like this has been able to provide is one of the most common hinge points for activating the uncanny valley which if you don't know what i'm talking about it means the the your suspension of disbelief that you're watching something in the real that's really in this space and time most of the time what disjoints that is looking at the eyes looking at their eyes will sometimes be able to tell like oh that's not that's not real eyes those are Computer-generated and eyes.
1: As an insertion here, you reference the Polar Express more than once. It's a it's a yes. grand offender at that exact concept. Absolutely,
2: absolutely. <laughs> yes. um, but in this case, one of the things that they've managed to do, I don't know the technical specifics about what they did to capture Circus's performance, but it's him. It's him as much as if he had put a bunch of prosthetics on his face uh, to personify Caesar. There's a couple of times, even just a little touch, uh, that bloodshot eye, you know, mm-hmm. that they that they give to Caesar so much in this film, and when when he looks up, the contortions in his face and the expression on his face when he mm-hmm. looks up at, or looks around at certain characters, it's amazing. It's hard enough for an actor where the camera is just on them to express every thought that that they are having in their head. Circus manages to break through the the facades of technology and still be able to show you every thought in Caesar's head. It is um, it is absolutely the kind of thing that I think you know. Award shows like the Academy or the Golden Globes or anybody else that lauds technical achievement needs to begin uh, really taking seriously the talent at play and the challenge at play for performances like. Andy Circus, and he's not the only one who can perform so well in this. We talk a lot about Doug Jones underneath physical makeup. You know, there's sure. a lot of people who they disappear into uh, technical prosthetics, whether that be of the electronic variety sure, or sure. Of the physical variety. And and they are still delivering award caliber performances beneath those things that lesser lesser performers would not be able to do. That must be noted. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think Caesar particularly, like in Rise, he's just sort of coming into his own. I still do get chills whenever he first utters that no in Rise. Yeah. It's yeah. still a chilling moment. Um, but in Dawn, he's amazing. And, and then in this, it's just stunning. It's staggering what he's able to deliver in terms of compassion in terms of uh struggle the inner struggle like Jake, like jacob had referenced in his in his opening salvo for us um he's just he's unbelievable
1: when it provided a really fun kind of theater slash slash film conversation moment for me and the kids cuz it was one of the first times they they really started asking questions about how they do it like how do they make mm, this mm. character and so right, if you have right. uh i suppose it's possible this is on like the itunes extras as well but we we had the physical copy of it of the film and one of the extras is like a seven minute eight minute something like that circus caesar featurette and it, mm-hmm. it goes in depth and and you get to watch him on set and and matt reeves talks about him and one of the wow. producers talk about him and just how it, this is not a case of the 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 computer doing the work. Yeah. (laughs) This is the case of the performer doing the work and the computer accentuating that. Yeah. Um, -hmm. like that shot when in war, when the Colonel shoots the elder orangutan who has suffered, right. And and then holds the gun to Caesar's head. Like it has, it has several moments where it's showing the onset thing, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, juxtaposed Mm -hmm. with the final uh, vFX oh style. wow yeah and yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. amazing watching him in the zone like there there's almost a world where Andy circus I- I'm sure there's an itch that wants to get scratched of of higher plaudits in terms of awards and whatnot but he almost has the best of all worlds from a performance standpoint he gets that theatrical like Uh, It doesn't have to be hyper naturalistic that so much of cinema movie acting is he gets to go there and just zones in. Uh, But it also, you, you, you ought to watch it if you do have access to these featurettes, but it has the same, it does the same thing juxtaposing the onset shot with the finished shot of his, his death and the scene with Maurice. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's pretty amazing. Even just watching those two performers, act out that scene. Wow. wow. Yeah, it's it's really powerful. Anyway, it's I just amazing. thought it'd be fun to kind of throw some love at Andy Circus. He is he is incredible.
2: Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. I don't think the film would be the same without him. Um it's it's really amazing. Do you want to go ahead and go into that's all right? Let's do it. All right. Take us away, Andrew.
0: That's so right. It's just so
3: right. It's just so right. That's just so
2: All right. Now comes the hard work where yes. I have to narrow yes. down <laughs> my that's so right. So let's do say. two each. Okay. I'm good to do two each. Yes. Uh, and hoping you'll pick two of mine so that you take some off the shelf. <laughs> so why don't you go ahead and go first? Um, Three each. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Twelve each. Um.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah just basically if you haven't gotten it yet the whole film is a that's so right um true I think I'll lead with the lighter one and okay. uh, for my that's so right uh just just two words read
2: bad eight. oh that's oh my, oh my gosh god what
1: Steve's on I this. remember the first t- I thought that was Steve's on I actually didn't look it up but I thought that was him um uh, I remember the first time seeing this and and just losing it in the theater. Like, what <laughs> in the world? What? He's such what a, great a character! A, a tonal, not even shift, but just a a folding in of a whole new tone and level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it is funny watching it now. You almost can see the studio notes, like. Hey, hey Matt Reeves, Dawn is, is, is uh it, it could have been it could have been a little lighter. Can, is there something yeah. we can do? <laughs> you know, to like, I'll give you a character. I'll just throw the so, character to, in there. Yeah, to to froth it up a little bit. And my goodness, that his introduction into the film mm-hmm. and then the slight little conflict with Maurice in the tunnels is that- just that scene Amazing.
2: Oh my god, the scene in the no, tunnel.
1: No, 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 <laughs> no. Maurice yells at him and it just pauses.
2: Okay. <laughs> well, and what's so great about that? Yes. I love that you mentioned that moment because while Maurice is screaming at him, his voice is opened as if he's gonna like scream back. His, his, mouth, his mouth is, is open. Is open. Yeah. He's just like, oh you know, like as Maurice is Maurice finishes, his mouth is still just a gape, and then he just goes, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, like, it's so, so funny yes it's the so body great.
1: language is incredible the it's next so day great. after we watched it my daughter with my our 13 year old who has a phone uh she sent me a little meme of bad ape giving the thumbs up oh to a gosh. thing i it's was like so oh great. god this is he's it's so great he's, that little little ape comes out in that vest and toboggan oh my gosh oh yes oh lord i love so it so bad ape is a so right for me. Absolutely.
2: Um, I am going to. God, it's so hard to choose. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Here's one I'm going to mention because I would feel mad at myself if I didn't mention it. Um, I don't know if it's a lighter one or not. But when uh, Nova, the mute, the mm-hmm. mute girl, mm-hmm. she sneaks into camp mm-hmm. and she gives Caesar a bit of water which she does on her own. The apes are not receiving food and water from the soldiers, at least not initially. Caesar finally advocates effectively for them to get food and water, um, but Caesar is in kind of a solitary sort of cell. She gives him some water, and that's not even why that's so right yet. This is just the Mm build-up. Because Mm -hmm. then, after she gives him some water, oh my gosh, then the apes begin to make a bit of a commotion from the other camp. Mm-hmm. she runs over and and i was like what are they doing and at first when i first saw the film and i didn't remember the moment this time around and thought the same thing when i first saw it i thought they were commotioning for her to give them water too right which okay. is which is why when she runs over there and then runs back with food i immediately begin tearing up because that's why they were calling her over is for them is for her to give food to Caesar, and then as Caesar takes the food and looks up at them, this is the "that's so right" moment. You just alluded to it for our YouTube watchers. They all raise their arms to Caesar in a show of solidarity and 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 followership. That it is. Gorgeous to behold and heartbreaking and lovely and wonderful and so, so right. I love it. Well, I love it. I feel like
1: you're 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 missing a key component to that, which is it's a callback to his uh, 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 body language of apes together strong. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. And so that's that's them all. Because if you remember, too. Though he advocates, there is a moment where they they kind of turn away from him, right? Yeah, er, er, a yeah. little earlier, and mm-hmm. so that is this like renewing of the solidarity of the tribe, as it were. And dead gummit—that's a powerful moment. Oh, oh my amazing. gosh! No, it's um, amazing. I want to talk about that scene, but okay, okay, it's a bigger thematic. So maybe maybe that's all right We can go back to. I'm it. sorry, yeah. maybe after that. Um, hmm, I know. So I think what I think what I I suppose at this point I'll I'll sort of give some that's so right love to, and there's a number of them that could qualify, but is the is the final set piece Um, Mm, mm. that I mean, Dad Gummit. I wrote down (laughs) about about 45 minutes in. I was like, this entire movie is stressful. Like it is so (laughs) tense. Mm-hmm. those first forty minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh and and I'm winking to this, meaning it as a supporting piece for what I am naming, but the I'll just go here. I, I already referenced at least in passing and I won't I don't I don't want to take two and that feels like what I'm doing. So I'll I'll steer back into the front here, uh, which is the showdown, the first meeting of the Colonel and Caesar. Oh, my gosh. It's in red oh, it, is, it is I mean I remember sitting there this time just being like, holy crap. This is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. insanely amazing. Yeah, like how I, I can't even find the words for no. just how next level
2: that that whole run is at the front end. Can I make a can I make a comment though? Please. So here's one thing about that scene. I get sometimes a little frustrated when people talk about blockbusters. And mm-hmm. they talk about, like, you know, oh, you establish tension and everything. And you, and you, and, and talk about, like, oh, you need a bunch of big explosions and everything. And look, this film's got some explosions in it. But that moment that between the Colonel and Caesar, when they're having that conversation, it's just two people talking. And ultimately, no. yes, you get all of. The- well, they're not talking here.
1: I'm referring to the first encounter
2: oh you're talking about after in the they cave. infiltrated the caves oh yes. no i'm thinking of that's a different what i'm moment. referring
1: to no, i'm thinking yeah, of a different no. moment i'm thinking a later one i mean all of them work but yes yeah, i'm yeah, referring yeah. to part of it is just that on-ramp that you realize okay i thought we were going to ease into the tension of this film no, no. Uh, the <laughs> mm. the the roller coaster cart is is vertical you know the track yeah, is vertical yes. we are going yes. straight up um that culminates in that big Eyes locking scene because the colonel has just taken out Caesar's wife and elder oh. son, which is just devastating. Yes, um, but but no, I, I am I am specifically pointing to that one, acknowledging that there's a bunch in this. Mm. Uh, oh, but that, sure, that scene sure. is incredible.
2: Well, I, I apologize then for siphoning off because okay. because what I was referring to is when you know see, the the colonel is like cooking and he's brought mm-hmm. Caesar up in yeah. chains and yeah. they're having a conversation. And what I was saying about blockbusters, I'm like, there's tremendous tension in that moment as much as there is any other time in the film, but it's just two characters talking. Yes, there's a bunch of special effects on Caesar, uh, you know, on Andy circus for Caesar, but it's still just two actors performing and good Lord. It is, it is just crackling. The dialogue is really, really heavy and what they're wrestling with, uh, with each other is just, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's an amazing, amazing scene. Um, I think the last one that I'll mention, God, there's there's two that I'm just really struggling with. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't think either of these are going to come up in, in um, thematic. So can I, can I get an honorable mention? Please. Can I get an honorable mention? Sure. Okay. Thank you. It's Christmas. All right. Give me, give me a present. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, all right. So I'm just, I'm just going to breeze past, donkey's redemption i'm just gonna breeze past. Oh, i'm not even gonna talk so about good. it that's right? but, that
1: yeah yeah, that, yeah that's what i was initially building to before i pivoted to the caves got but it, yes got that it, yes. entire
2: so, yeah run gonna... is, is stressful as hell yes oh my god but the moment when caesar looks up and sees that donkey is the one who has taken out preacher just that whole exchange and he know, and and donkey knows i've just signed my death warrant they're gonna kill me yeah but but looks to caesar and just there was good in him and it just oh man it just, yeah so waving at donkey's redemption the other the other moment is when Caesar he's been devastated because his family has been taken out. Devastated. I couldn't I didn't remember it. Uh, sad to say, I didn't remember that that had happened and I was just gut punched. Uh when that happened again, uh the that his he finds his wife and oldest son uh have hmm. been taken out by the colonel that scene that you mentioned and I was I was floored. I remembered that they did not survive, and I remembered that Caesar gets taken to, you know, uh, to camp. the internment camp. What I did not remember is that they died in the cave before any of that happened. I, you know, I, something in my memory was, uh, you know, falsely remembering that maybe they died like in the prison or something like that. So just that was just devastating. But then when he sets out, he leaves Cornelius, his younger son, uh, and and he sets out separate from them. But then. Rocket and Luca and Maurice come after him. And the that whole scene could be my that's so right, but I'm going to reference one specific line. Is there all three coming with him to, to confront this Colonel presumably to kill him, but they're all three coming. Uh, and then Caesar says, you know, because rocket and Luca have already expressed that he will not be able to turn them away from, from him and from, joining him on this mission. But he says, I may not be back. I may not mm-hmm. be coming back.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And then that's when Maurice, God, I'm getting a little emotional. That's when Maurice says, that's why I'm coming to make sure that you do. And yeah. I'm oh God. Just like the love between these characters. And mm-hmm. um and they are, yes. They they are technically Animal characters, but good lord the the human soul the 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 spirit uh I won't even say human soul, just the mm-hmm. soul in these characters, so rich, so inspiring um and a, and a, yeah, I keep being bumper stickery about it, but so so right, I love it, I love that moment so much, teared up first that's the those, first time, yeah,
1: yeah, those <laughs> are the things of war for the planet of the apes that are. <laughs> not even the realm of wrong they are... Oh oh, oh,
0: oh, oh oh so
4: right that's just so right
2: wow 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 <laughs> yeah so, wow is right um i don't think we need to cue the music or anything but i did have one little ain't right uh i actually okay. don't i actually don't even want to spend too much time on it but it just I had to call it out, um good God when C- Caesar finds the crucified apes in the yeah, thing that's rough that's that's why I don't want to spend a ton of time on it because it's like it's it, it's you you talk about like worrying about watching it with your kids like if there if there is a scene that I would have yeah. like concerns about like it's that one when he walks into the outskirts of the camp and finds so many of a, of of his ape um community, Redmond. yes. Yep crucified on these it's just it good god almighty like yeah it's it's very very rough very rough
1: you you referencing that imagery made me think of this i don't want to linger here long per se but um i like i said i would never seen any of the original apes to my memory um what is pretty daggum impressive about this trilogy is you really don't have to have um yeah but it's interesting right before we recorded tonight i was just trying to wrap my brain around the the film again a little bit and and I watched another one of the extras which is the homages in the new ones mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. the old stuff mm-hmm. and that imagery specifically is is from is from the original series.
2: Oh really? Uh, the, the, See the,
1: the the cruciform shape that they wow. hang some of them in.
3: Yeah. Be-
2: because I had only ever seen the uh original the the first one that stars mm-hmm. Charlton Heston. So of the age- right. so I've seen this trilogy obviously uh, more than once but um the only other one that i'd seen is the original which was actually written by rod serling of twilight mm-hmm. zone fame uh based on a novel but he adapted it from the novel and um you know starring charlton heston i had seen that before but that was my only exposure to this franchise there are, i think four other films uh, in the series that I've never seen a one of, or if I've seen them, they're too far back in my memory banks to recall. So I didn't know that about the, to your, to your Sterling
1: call out, uh, as a bit of a trivial bit. That's also why James Franco's character's last name is Rodman. It's a nod. To oh, wow.
2: Yeah. That's cool. I had not read that. That's that's really
1: cool. Um, yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to rob you if there's a wealth of thematic heft. You no. really want to dive into. And, and honestly, I'm going to take a drink and yield the floor. I don't have a ton of notes on this. And so I, I am to the extent we're able and it may, it may be very short. I I hope not, but Mm -hmm. to the extent we're able, I just want to like dialogue about this. Um, You, you, you said via text about the, the profundity this film touches and, and kind of it's, it's almost mythic quality. And there's one particular scene that culminates in the apes together strong moment, which is, which is, you know, just as a symbol, an incredible totem for the piece. But man, I find myself incredibly moved not by the exposition of Nova nourishing Caesar, but by the way it's shot. Because I remember watching it this time and I, I don't know if it lodged for you in similar fashion. And I and I rewatched this entire scene before we started talking just to figure out was I crazy and you know, imagining something. The the point of the story beat here is Caesar needs food badly, which is an <clears throat> old computer game reference. Uh Caesar <clears throat> Caesar needs some nourishment. Uh, there, there, there is a a a question that begs to be asked of just how good these guards are that they're they're, they're utterly bamboozled by all this <laughs> stuff going on right under their noses. But Fair, point. Fair I, point. I can live with that suspension of disbelief because of how much fun it is. But so so, all I'm trying to establish here is the literal story choice here is simply okay. Caesar has to. Physically survive. He needs some. He needs some food. How do we make that happen? Okay, Nova can sneak in and give this to him, and it, it culminates in a connecting point between him and his tribe. But the way it's shot is not that. The way it's shot is not economy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The way it's shot is, I really want you to pay attention to these characters and how they're interacting, what they're doing. The methodical. It's slow. It's slow. Yeah. yeah. It is. Now, Reeves in both films does a lot of close-up facial facial mm-hmm. shots, mm-hmm. but this one particularly is very much about bridging this gap. Uh, You know, Nova enters the story, and Caesar doesn't really want a part of her, and in fact, he tells Maurice, we cannot take her, and Maurice says, I understand, and I cannot leave her. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, damn. And so, perhaps it's over-tipping my hand here, but I'm thinking about lions and lambs in this moment mm. thinking about mm. what is what is happening what is uh it's it's watching uh crazy white fella problems or whatever it's called and and asking why am i being asked to watch this oh right why right, am right, i right. being in the invited yeah. the way this yeah leftover reference the way this scene happens visually on screen why is it that way mm. and so i i'm Asking for some of your thoughts, but to me, you you smartly checked yourself. You're like, you said uh something about the human soul. Well, wait, it's not really. And so to me, there's a whole lot happening in those three minutes, uh, of which it's punctuation. Mark is the Apes Together Strong moment, but she she's awakening Caesar. She is not one of them. A thing that keeps coming back to me is her lack of speech. Mm -hmm. And this. So I'm throwing a lot of things on the on the pile here. So so forgive me, but it's but it's meant to be kind of prompt. I thought a lot about how her lack of speech, how generally speaking, their lack of speech, what does that say about how we go to war with each other with our words, Mm. right? Like Mm. this, it is it is the movie is called war. There are acts of Heinous violence perpetrated. Here is incredible tenderness and compassion being rich in cross species happening, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. something about that. So I'll, I'll shut up. Just, but, but I was just trying to invite to you. Kind of, does am I crazy? Do you do you think? Oh, Nathan, you're reading way too much into that scene. Do you see some of what I'm trying to to articulate
2: there? I do. I definitely don't think you're crazy. It is an interesting take that I'm hearing. You know. Uh, the last two minutes is the first I've thought about it in that sure, context. Sure. Um, but I don't think you're crazy. And I do think there's, there's a lot of quiet in both yes. of Matt Reeves, you know, uh, and, and there's economy of speech. Like one of the things that the narrative invites is that when the apes speak, because they are learning English, either by sign language or in the few that speak verbally, what they say is very precise. Their words are articulate. Considered. and yeah. v- Considered is a great word. They're, they're, they're deliberately chosen. and And I do think there's a lot to be said about the way that our own words, you know, Nova is a character from the original. This is not meant to be, I think, the same character because I think the original mm. was like millennia in the future but um but nova was a character from the original who is is also mute and i feel like the insertion of a childlike version of that character there's something of the innocence uh there's something of the simplicity where she just sees the need and wants to meet the need she's not really regarding the danger she's not really regarding you know you talk about The guards are pretty bumbling to completely miss everything that's that's happening. Um, And I don't disagree, but the moment is just so lovely. Sure, oh yeah. uh, That that but that it's really all just about meeting the need and the simplicity of that, and the simplicity of, of of the sharing. And again, I keep coming back to the solidarity. I cannot escape the fact that the film was called War for the Planet of the Apes. And while there is some fighting, it is so devoid of perpetual fighting, which th- I'm saying that as a positive. You know, right, like, right. like, War for the Planet of the Apes is not, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not knocking this at all, it is not the 30-minute battle at the end of Endgame. It is not, you know, like, it's not sure. uh, the, the Battle of the Five Armies from Lord of the Rings, or, you know, the huge battle at the end of Return of the King. It's not that. That's not War for the Planet of the Apes. So I do think you're onto something when the film is called that, and then the film is very specifically showing us other things. It's showing us um, more quiet more uh, seclusion, it's showing us more isolation, it's showing us uh, a significant amount of suffering, a profound amount of suffering, honestly, to the degree that it's hard at times to watch this. It's Mm -hmm. hard at times to watch what these characters, these apes, are enduring. And I think, you know, it, it is an old Roger Ebert quote that he said, films are a machine for empathy. And I think it's fascinating that the characters we feel the most empathetic towards are these non-human characters, because there is so much in our culture that wants to dehumanize actual human beings, and there's so much in our culture that wants to categorize people because of any version of either their biological and genetic condition, or their emotional landscape or their choices or whatever it wants to dehumanize them and maybe not to the degree of the internment camps although god forbid but to put them away package them away and say like oh no that you know that's them and we're going to cast them away and this film was made in 2017 So it meant that it had to be kind of scripted and it had to be filmed and much of it had to be uh, kind of completed before a lot of the things that we're seeing right now. But the ways in which we will not be, and I promise I'm coming back to that Nova scene, will not be the Nova bridging the gap and sharing food and water, will not be the apes together strong showing solidarity. We will instead be the ones who either out of our fear or out of our presumptions or out of our misguided conclusions will compartmentalize package and largely write off and dismiss um, and segment off entire groups of people, um, people, human beings um, as either collateral damage or as um, like, I know we're, I know we're in the thick of pandemic right now, but there, something was, something was said that um, I apologize if this is not where you wanted t- t- to go, but it, it, it is where my mind goes, so maybe that's all you were intending. Um, there was something that w- that that was said in a little small video I saw, and the political context of the video is not totally important, perhaps worth knowing that the the video was obviously very um sort of anti vaccine anti uh governmental mandates, that kind of thing, which I'm actually this is not necessarily an attack on that thought pattern, but there is one statement that was made in the video that I found deeply troubling, deeply, deeply troubling, where it said that the virus, coronavirus, COVID-19, it said the virus was very dangerous to people who had, it, it was, this was the actual statement. It said the virus was very dangerous to people who already had pre-existing conditions. And so then the statement that it was made was, it said, so yes, the virus was very dangerous to people who were already dying. That was the statement that was made. It was very dangerous to people who were already dying, but these mandates and these lockdowns were dangerous for everybody else. And the video was like 16 minutes long. I stopped it at that point, which was probably unfair of me, but I stopped it at that point because I was deeply upset and deeply troubled by that statement. Because of its lack of solidarity, because of its lack of, it it basically took so many of these people and dismissed them as collateral. The statement as its words were, I, I don't know this person, but it's the statement as its words were is, yes, it was dangerous for people who were already dying. And I find in this film, War for the Planet of the Apes, and I think this is really prescient, it's like, they're animals, They're animals. They can't possibly have a soul. They can't possibly contribute anything. They can't possibly have intelligent thought, even when the colonel looks right at Caesar twice and says, you're very impressive. Mm -hmm. He still does not acknowledge that there is something here of – I'll go ahead and say it – of divine intention in in this created being. And Mm -hmm. And I find the ways to, to sort of wrap my little bow on it. The reason I find a scene like Nova sharing food and water and the apes sharing solidarity with one another so profound and so powerful is because how much the film goes to illustrate how quickly and easily we can purposefully dehumanize other beings. And these cases, they're apes, but we do so to other human beings as well, whether it be through glib statements, widely writing off 800,000 deaths as of this recording, or uh, whether it be through any myriad of other sort of ways we categorize and dismiss and compartmentalize the suffering or the plight of other people for our own intents and purposes, And, uh, and that is the war. That's the war that we are engaged in. Again, it is uh, – the colonel was right about the fact that it's a holy war because it is a war for the spirit. Um, that that puts a bow at least for the moment on my on my thoughts.
1: Well, let me throw out, out there as a possible uh, um, hit and run here um, a, 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 a sentiment that would say, well, it was the – those that pre-existing who are going to suffer from it anyway, i.e. a, at least a smidge of sentiment of writing them off. So too is the colonel who says, Hey, if even the infection gets near you, you should go ahead and let these people die and cast them off. So yeah, I'll go there. Um, but yeah. mm-hmm. what I do think is powerful and what I, as I keep mulling this, the question, the, the movie keeps asking the question, what is and what does humanity look like? Right. Mm-hmm. Because I keep thinking about the way the film does things that it doesn't have to do what I mean by that. In this case, go back. I would encourage listeners. If you've watched the film and prep for this, go back and watch the scene. If it didn't click with you co-host to check this out, but the, the Nova, the, the methodical nature of how the Nova scene plays out uh, long moments Lingering long shots, long takes on her, that actor's face, long takes on Caesar's face, lots of investigating the humanity in these two characters
3: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, using the camera. On top of that, the narrative separates the children and the adult apes. Mm-hmm. Now, you could make a case that in narrative, it's because, well, they want to, the humans want to perceive that the children are in danger, thus get the adults to work harder. But, but that's never stated. Like there's yeah, no, yeah, there's no verbalized scripted reason in the final film why they separate them. Mm-hmm. Why I'm bringing that up is be- um, because it would have been easier from a from a just sort of story standpoint that they're all in one and they're going to make one escape together. Yeah. The movie goes out of its way to show these apes are very concerned about their children and getting them out safely. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole set piece about that. So my point is simply it feels like it keeps pointing to because think about this, there's not that there necessarily would be in this type of facility, but but there're no children. Right. The only the, the only youth as it were are the the child apes and nova right and so all i'm trying to suggest is the film is very interested about what gets to claim the word humanity Mm
3: -hmm.
1: you know it's it's nova bringing a cup of cold water that Mm -hmm. that awakens caesar Mm -hmm. that that and i don't mean this as a criticism of the film because I love this film. There's almost a case. I think that you could make that Caesar's being still hung up on taking out the Colonel is, is a choice towards blockbuster, not towards honesty with its narrative. Meaning I think there's a case. Caesar is one. He is, he is, his story is effectively done because of the awakening that happens and the need to free his people. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And yet maybe you feel otherwise when that happened in the movie, I was like, Oh, it didn't strike a false note as in this is a cheat. It struck a, Oh, is that necessary right now? I -hmm. think Caesar, the character could be done with his journey there and not go take out Um, the colonel colonel, or attempt to take out the colonel so anyway point being I think the movie keeps inviting the question who gets to say they are human and what does the saying of that mean for for the one who's claiming it
2: right Um, it's not a yeah I don't feel strongly enough about it to call it a disagreement with what you just said but I do think the film does its homework on that by him referencing Koba and how Koba has haunted you know So, so I feel like to that end even if you're not wrong about his story could end there without ever going after the colonel i think the film at least is deliberate enough to know that that's part of why that he can't he can't escape his own hatred and i do think when he goes we we the viewer probably have a cathartic need i know i did to see the state the colonel is in because sure, sure. his whole thing in that scene we referenced earlier where he's talking to caesar His whole thing is to escape the virus that makes them devolve, and 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 what has happened to him? He touched that doll, and now he is devolving. He is losing his speech, and and there's a whole other conversation we could have or don't have to have about the people who kick and scream against the inevitable, like they fight to hold on to something, but they they abandon their humanity. Right. To hold on to the illusion of humanity and make no mistake, that's all the colonel is operating under. He is no longer human. He is a a flesh and blood being um, in the form of Homo sapien, but his soul is, is, is lost to him at that point. Mm-hmm. And he has done so willingly, as Jacob called out and as the film cites, he has done so willingly – as a means of like survival and and I think the film is saying something pretty profound <laughs> uh, it's perhaps a bit obvious but I am reminded of whoever seeks to save their life will lose it and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it as as Christ called out because I think that the harder we try to hold on to the physical survival elements at the at the sake of our own soul we will lose both <laughs> We will wind up, up, both will slip through our fingers. If we make the choice, the hard choice to merely survive, there has to be a better way for all of it. There has to be. And unfortunately, we have this thing where if we get so caught up in just making sure that other people are now expendable, that other people are now collateral to, when we trade lives, as the MCU uh, so succinctly puts it, then the cost is our own soul. We've lost the war at that point because everything else will play out, and we will lose both. We will not have preserved our spirit. We will not have preserved our soul, and eventually we will come to the same end. What going back? I'm not trying to keep pivoting back to to my observation, but one of the offenses that I. T- I'll call it an offense. Maybe that's strong. Um, One of the things that bothered me about the statement, it was very dangerous for people who were already dying. Brother, we're all already dying. We are all already. like If we really could fathom how close we were to to whatever inevitable end, uh, I think it would absolutely rock us. We are all already dying. And I think it is important for us to remember that – we live by making sure that we preserve what God, the, the divine touch within us to share our souls with one another. Um, I think to a large degree, you talk about how Caesar's story could be done. There's a case to be made that if he had never gone back for the colonel, truth be told, he wouldn't have died. He'd have lived in right, right. their home yeah. because it, yep. is, it is coming out of that confrontation with the colonel, that Preacher takes him out and, uh, well, doesn't take him out, shoots him in the wound that will eventually claim his life. Um, so they referred a- to him that way twice. Do they name him as such? Creature? I don't um, remember that he is credited that way on IMDb, which is why oh, I yeah. So, so I, okay. I don't remember if the film ever names him as such, but but okay. his character is credited that. But way. this
1: is the character that uh, Caesar r- releases
2: at the beginning. Yes. has mercy releases towards, it, yeah, at the yeah, very beginning yeah, yeah. has mercy towards him, and then later he uh, shoots Caesar with an arrow in the in the side, uh, a wound that will eventually uh, that he'll eventually die from.
1: Um, I mean, damn it,
2: Reed. mercy might
1: end. In your death, but will always end in others' lives. Mm-hmm. I mean mm. like mm-hmm. the whole the mm-hmm. whole trajectory of Caesar's journey happens because he has mercy on that guy.
2: Yes. Like it's exactly that right. is
1: the arc. Yeah. And yeah. yet that act of mercy sets the path uh you know before them that is going to lead to their salvation as a as a tribe, as a group, as a people, or as a yeah. you know. And you know I
2: what I'm think saying? No, absolutely. And you might not see it. You know, like Caesar. Right. Look, um, Jacob called out in his in his opening uh, the comparison to Moses. That he has people who know their biblical texts pretty well will know that Moses led the Hebrew children out of Egypt and through the wilderness, and then an occurrence happened. While they were out in the desert where he was disobedient, and um, as the text of the story goes, because of his disobedience, um, God did not allow him to actually enter into the promised land with the Hebrew children, but he had to watch it from the mountainside. And so that – I mean that is absolutely what happens to Caesar in this moment. His fatal wound – it kept him from actually entering into that. he's up on the mountain watching them all begin to enjoy the landscape around them and does not get to partake of it uh, himself. I do think that mercy might end in such a way that it ends your story and that you don't get to see it, but there is such a promise, such a promise that, that mercy will not return, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, useless and, and, and wasted. Um, and, you know, the scriptures say, I keep wanting to make this comparison, the scriptures say the Lord says of his word that it will not return void, uh, that basically when the Lord sets forth his word, it will do what he set it out to accomplish. And um, when that word is mercy, and and when we are set forth upon that same path to speak mercy, it is not weakness, it is not extinction, uh, you know, like... I love the moment. We didn't call it out in so right, but I love the moment where after Nova shares all of that, she goes back to Maurice and Maurice tells her how brave she is. Mm-hmm. And she says, Am I ape? Like am you know, like she mm-hmm. she loves that moment. Of course he says back to her, You are Nova, but I love that I love that connection she makes. Yes, oh, wait. You are brave. I'm brave. Oh, does that You're mean I'm ape? Yeah. You know, like she has Such seen the moment. nobility. It's beautiful. She's seen the nobility. She's seen the courage. She's seen the power and the strength. And, um, and I think that is a really telling lesson for us. It's something really worth pondering uh, in all of these considerations. There are so many opportunities that we have to make the choice to save ourselves at the expense of others, uh, sometimes even at the conquering or conquest of others overriding of others or to share ourselves with others and and possibly save us all um, mm-hmm. uh, or at least yeah. save them and uh, such profound beauty to that I love this movie that's I so good. this movie so much <laughs> It's so, so good, good. Um, uh, did you have more you wanted to say or do you, nope. you that's I'm, uh, I'm good I feel you, I feel good you want to yeah I feel good too you want to go you want to take us together meeting? strong foggers together strong Sure, what let's it do takes. it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Fog meter,
1: our unique metric during this. What saves us by which we determine a film or piece of media's fun,
3: <laughs>
1: and it's God.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it's pretty wild. We're actually going to get back to fear and God here. I in a know. Weeks. I know. Um, are we ever? Um, <laughs> War for the Planet of the Apes. I mean. Fun is not the word, but, but I, it is a masterful production on every level and bad ape, like bad ape is five fun points. Just, yeah. just, <laughs> just by himself like, as a character. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so bad ape coupled with the, the spirit and the technical production. I'm going to go for a seven on fun. I don't care if I'm cheating. <laughs> I'm going to go for a seven on fun. All right. What about you? Here's the thing.
2: Yeah. This is a 10 for me. On fun? And on fun. Then it's a 10 for me. I don't, I don't care. I okay. Don't care. Because, and, I and will I, cheat there. I was just yeah. going to say, you know what? I'm going to give you mercy and I'm going to hedge your together. bets. Yeah. No, I'm not. And here's why. It's because, yes, while many moments in this film are heavy and hard, I have seen this film twice and both times that I finished it, as soon as it was done, I said to myself, it will not be long before I watch that movie again. Mm
3: that's I love fun. that.
2: I love it. That's a sound uh, of fun. And it is in in the way in which it is an enjoyable cinematic experience with a really profound resolution to it all. Yes. Ten for me. So yes. That is I'm gonna join you. All right.
1: All right. It's and you the know the what? spirit. What you know what? Do it. It's a ten.
2: It's a ten. It's a ten. It's a ten. Listen, it's a ten. It's Go all for a ten. It. I don't even have to do the math. <laughs> this is our a gift to ourselves. Is it yes. This is this is a and ten all across it. yes. This is a ten all the way across the board this film is special. It's really, really special. and I don't think, I think that, you know, being able to acclimate to the science fiction and fantasy elements of it helps. But even, even if it's not your back, even if science fiction and fantasy are not normally your thing, what this film is about and how it is about it is on mm-hmm. par with some of the greatest cinema that we have, and I think to dismiss it as otherwise is uh, not to have taken it seriously because it is a very, very powerful and effective shots film. Shots fired! Shots fired! That's right. I can so live with it. ten across the board. Fo- the fog meter's a ten, y'all.
1: It's it's speaking a straight of, up ten. It's speaking of shots fired, that scene in Dawn when Koba shoots Caesar—that is, it's Koba is incredibly well designed. That is one scary ape.
2: That's the thing. He's scary as a character and I mentioned it earlier, the the moment mm-hmm. it's chilling, like when he's all like, Oh, look at me, I'm playing mm-hmm. with a gun, I'm playing with a gun. But when he takes the guy out and then the camera yep. lingers as he's now like aiming it directly at the guy, that's a scary one. mofo yeah. right there. Like, oh man. Koba is And yet yeah, he's and, so well motivated too. Well, and here's the other thing is that yes, and and the his presence in war is Scary. Like when he's walking up uh, Caesar's on the Mm -hmm. cruciform form, but he sees a vision. Yeah. He sees a vision of Koba like coming up to him and and talking to him and everything. Oh man, it's it's creepy. It's creepy and it's really effective. God, it's great. (laughs) Let's go watch it again. I I would. I would. I would turn it on right now. It's an amazing movie. An amazing, amazing movie. Um, I I guess it goes to say we'd both recommend it. Absolutely. Man, it is it's incredible. Mary do yourself a Christmas favor yeah. and be like, hey, listen, while watch everybody a else, called War for the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, while everybody else is sitting there watching, you know, Home Alone, National yeah. Lampoons, Christmas Vacation, here. you know, like whatever. How about we check Polar out a Express, little- Polar Express, get that crap out of here. Whatever. Let's watch a little <laughs> war for the planet of the apes. That's that's how we're gonna roll this yeah. holiday season. Buckle up. No, sincerely, it's, uh, Jacob, thank you so much for submitting this film. Um, it's a film that clearly Nathan and I both loved and, uh, really cherished the opportunity to talk about again. So, um... So, yeah, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that has been War for the Planet of the Apes, submitted to us by listener Jacob Sane. Thank you so much again, Jacob. Nathan, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. listeners. Absolutely.
1: Merry Christmas.
2: Merry Christmas. Listeners, Merry Christmas. We hope that wherever you are, whatever you're celebrating in whatever way, that it is a very, very Merry Christmas to you indeed Um, and in total and in full. We know that um, for a number of people in a number of ways – this season is very, very difficult. Um, and I do not say dismissively and not you know with intention to sort of bring the spirit down. I do hope that wherever you are and whatever your circumstances are, that you find the light and the hope of the Christmas spirit in, in your life this week and, um, and this day especially. And thank you again so much for spending some time with us while we talk about this film around this season. Next week... We are going to be going to our final "What wow. Saves Us" entry, which is is pretty wild to and think episode about. Episode of the year and our final episode of the year. It's pretty crazy to think about. Um, I'll explain What'd more. You I know uh, you. It's yours. Yeah, you opened us up with this series, and uh, so it's my privilege to be able to close us out. I'll explain more about it next week. It was going to be a different film, and you and I, like a week ago talked about my inner conflict, which I'll unpack next week, but I landed and will not turn back from it. Uh, Too late now. I know, way too late now. Next week, we are going to be talking about Frank Capra's classic It's a Wonderful Life. So you've probably seen the film already, but if you haven't, you should check it out. Because next week we're going to be having a whole conversation about it, our final one for the year. And uh, as we say on every single episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. Thank you again, Nathan. Thank you again, listeners. We'll see you next week. The Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. You can start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for all the latest news and episodes or for merchandise and to contact us directly. You can follow us on Twitter at thefearofgod, on Instagram at fearofgodpodcast, or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com for our artwork to Lee Wright, who helped me, read Lackey, write our theme music, and to Tyler Smith at morethanonelesson.com for making our show possible. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.